that the most serious or perhaps the most dangerous kind of devil worship comes in the form of underground cults. Substantial portions of Japan's key industrial centers have been leveled to the ground in a series of record incendiary raids. Asu! Raja! Contrary to popular belief of the Satanists being animal killers, we believe that animals and small children are the highest form of magic. If you guys if you guys could get away with one thing and there'd be absolutely no circum or consequences, what would that one thing be? Stabbing someone. Like, absolutely, that's the first thing you're doing. Yep, I want to know what it feels like. Like, I'm telling, like, if, like, we have a stand situation where, like, 99% of the world's dead and the other 1% doesn't give a fuck about what you do. You're going to stab the last of the 1%? Yeah, you're just going to go stab somebody? <laughs> no, like, I used to work with this guy. He, uh, he went to jail for stabbing someone. And he told me it feels like taking hot butter, or hot, a hot knife through butter. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't know if that's something you want to try. What about you, Thomas? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... I would rob some shit. I know You'd what it's rob like. Something? I, I would rob something then, probably. Like uh money. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie <laughs> Stephanie. Fair. I asked Stephanie last night what her answer would be, and she told me she would rob a bank. And I'm like, Fuck yeah. I would take if a If there's bank. nobody like if there's nothing left on the world, like you got one percent of the world left, like fuck man. I guess I I guess I get it. Like if you rob a bank no matter what. You don't you don't have money issues anymore. Well, hang on, hang on now. There's only one percent of the population left, and I uh, and robbing a bank probably isn't going to be at the top of my list. It would be <laughs> no, absolutely not. It doesn't it doesn't have to be the one percent. I guess I guess it's more of just the uh, more of just the consequences of getting away with something. Like there being absolutely none. No one gives a fuck. Like you can literally do anything. Uh, okay, well, fucking, I do, I wouldn't have it in me to fucking kill someone. Stabbing is way too intimate. I'd rather shoot someone. If yeah, I, had I, don't, to. I don't know what the fuck this man is. I'm yeah, kind of uncomfortable yeah, sitting yeah. next to him now. He was, he was so he was dude. he was so fast at that fucking went too. Like, oh, he's like, no, stab somebody. <laughs> no, no, that conversation he told me he's like, it's this dude tried to barge in my house. He was threatening me, so I just stabbed him because you know he was threatening. Is it late at night? Which I understand, kind of. That would be a weird feeling, too. I bet you it would be the hot butter feel, too, like a super sharp. Yeah, like, see, I want to know if he's accurate about it or not, or just, you know, fuck with me. I'm well, like where, did he, where, where, where did he stab him? Stab him in the guts? Uh, in the stomach. Right, yeah. right above the stomach, actually. So I am, like, really uncomfortable sitting next to you. And that's just I'm not you going to stab try. you. I'm not going to stab you. Don't worry. I'm not going to stab you. <laughs> My one thing is I would go to Wrigley Field. Do anybody, do either one of you guys know what Wrigley Field is? How do no. you not know what Wrigley Field is? Well, he's Canadian, so obviously Fair. he doesn't. Okay. That's, uh, okay. I must know. <laughs> yeah, he must know. Yeah, he knows all about America and America <laughs> things. Uh, it's where the Cubs from uh, Chicago play. I'm okay. originally from Illinois. Right. I want to go to uh, Wrigley Field. I want to get completely 100% naked. I want to run around all of the bases and then jerk off on the home plate. Fun. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm fun. Like, I'm 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 level headed in this group. I'm worried about two of you. That's pretty good. I'm over that's here good. like contemplating stabbing a man. No, okay. <laughs> I don't even walk around naked in my own house because I just don't like it. I couldn't do it in fucking Wrigley Field. No way. It's like full full black full bore everyone watching type thing. Oh, it could be. I don't care. Dude, people could be watching. People don't have <laughs> well, to watch now. Here. Then fine. You know what? That's against the law, though. Yeah, yeah but no one cares. So that's the whole point, right? You can get away with exactly, it. but like yeah. it, he's telling me to go do this now, so like people would care if I broke into Wrigley Field. You'll go viral real quick, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah then I'll go to jail real quick. Yeah, and, and then there's then there's a whole time. 
then there's a whole world of new problems in there. And running around naked is something you definitely shouldn't be doing in jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I believe we are your call to madness. I am your host for today. I am Tyler Campbell. I'm your reigning dipshit, Jake. I'm Thomas with no nickname, but I'm from Canada, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> solid, solid. We are all three here now. Thomas was not here for the first two episodes. He has had a busy work schedule. Jake and I were too antsy and got drunk one day and decided to record episode one and two. <laughs> episode two got really fucking drunk. Oh yeah, no episode really two really drunk. Show. But thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We are going to be talking about the strange and bizarre. Does anybody have a story to go first? Strange and bizarre. Yes, sir. Uh, I will start. I will start. Right. Canadians first. I got a good one. So uh, when you were telling me, Tyler, about these uh, these two topics that were coming up, um, you had mentioned the strange and bizarre, and I was going through my phone, and I found this story relatively quickly, and it blew, it blew my fucking mind that someone could go through this kind of thing. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have come out like this guy did. There's no way that I would be a sane person at the end of what this guy went through. It is fucking crazy, and let me tell you what went down. The man who survived two atomic bombs. It goes a little something like this. Some 260,000 people survived the atomic bomb attacks on Hiroshima and Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, Yamaguchi was one of them, and he endured the horror of both. In August of 1945, as World War II was nearing its end, the U.S. dropped two big fat motherfuckers on Japan three days <laughs> three days apart. This is verbatim from the History.com channel. <laughs> and it took about 100,000 people. Uh, Yamaguchi survived both of these blasts. He was uh, preparing to leave Hiroshima when the first bomb fell. The 29-year-old naval engineer was on a three-month-long business trip for his employer, uh, Mitsubishi Industries. And on August 6th, he was supposed to be his last day in the city. Him and his colleagues had spent the summer working long hours and a design for a new oil tanker, and he was looking forward to going home, seeing his wife and his son. And around 8.15 in the morning was when he was walking to the Mitsubishi uh, shipyards for the last time on the last day when he heard the drone of an aircraft overhead. He looked up and saw the B-fucking-29 bomber rip across the city and drop a small object on a parachute. <laughs> Goodbye, Enola Gay. Yeah, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden, a bright blaze of light. And uh, he described it as the lightning of a huge magnesium fire. I don't oh, know how God. anyone would know what a magnesium fire looks like, but he did. Uh, he had just enough time to dive into a ditch before an ear-splitting boom rang out. The shockwave that accompanied it sucked him from the ground, spun him in the air like a tornado, and sent him hurtling to a nearby patio patch or a potato patch. Potato uh, patch. Potato patch. He'd said that he was less than two miles away from ground zero. Uh, something that that a lot of people actually don't know about is when the bombs drop. For one, I, I feel for this guy because like he was just there for business, but for two, just the gruesomeness of everything. Like oh, when that bomb hit and people were on fire, there was a they, they had a river near nagasaki that people or hiroshima i mean that that walked into the river and their skin would fall off into the yeah. river oh what the fuck yeah really? dude yeah, there's man. like yeah people yep. would try to like crawl their way to the river thinking it was going to help them but it was already covered in dead bodies of the people that kept trying to do it that's pretty much i mean imagine like the worst sunburn that you have and then you jump into like a cold shower 
Your body goes, done me. It's awful. I've done yeah. it. It's awful. Yeah. And, and even to, even to add to that too, like a burn like that, I would like your nerve endings are all shot. So you wouldn't feel anything too. Like you'd just be yeah. walking around fucking just melting and oh my God, fucking. Um, uh, so to continue, he opened his eyes and everything was dark. He couldn't see much. The blast had kicked up enough dust and debris to nearly blot out the sun. He was surrounded by all kinds of falling ash and he could see a mushroom cloud of fire rising in the distance over Hiroshima. Both his forearms and shit had been, uh, and his legs were badly burned and his eardrums were ruptured. He wandered around in a daze towards the remaining the remaining ruins of the Mitsubishi shipyard. It's where he found his co-workers, both of whom would su survive the blast as well. After spending a, like a restless night in an air raid shelter, the men woke on August 7th and made their way towards a training station, which they heard was somehow still operating. Yeah, fine. So like they just, it, 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 like, I, I mean, I believe the story for sure. Like when you think about it and I mean, it rocked a lot of shit. But it wasn't like the hugest fucking explosion in the god. And well, it was actually the hugest explosion in the world at the time. But like, I was gonna say shortly after we then we had the hydrogen bomb, which was even bigger. Which was even bigger. Which we still tried on Japan. Like it was done on the offshores of Japan. Oh, but not really. Not only did Japan suffer the might of the atom bomb twice, but it also suffered under the hydrogen bomb. Yeah. did it. Hate Japan. Well, how we did it was we did it on an offshore. Like it was something that we were just trying. But the blast was so big, it still affected their fish population in the water. Yeah. The fish were all irradiated. The people, natives that lived on islands near Japan, like they all were affected. It, What we did to Japan is monstrous because at the very end of World War II, we basically came up to Japan. And the rumor is, you know, Japan's going to fight till the end. But that's just like they weren't, though. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't going to fight to the end because it's just think about it. They're people just like you and I. Just because some of them had pride in their emperor and they were willing to fight. I mean, we whatever, but it, was, so, it, didn't, it, it didn't even it didn't even stop there, too. Like before the bombs fell, like you got to remember, too, their infrastructure was a lot of like wood and stuff like that. Right. And they were and the U.S. were dropping fucking firestorms on all the other cities in an att attempt to burn out their infrastructure before the bombs went down. Yep. They literally wanted to erase that country off the map. Yeah. And, and we have these two new bombs that Oppenheimer created. And we came to Japan basically in those treaty meetings and we said, we want you to get rid of your emperor. We want you to get rid of your military. We're going to come over and give you guys democracy because that's exactly what you guys need and want. Uh, anything that you guys do is now going to be monitored by us. You are now an ally and everything that we do, you basically have to suck our dick about. Yeah. So basically Japan was like, no, that's not going to happen. And America's like, all right, well, you guys pushed our hands. We have a weapon, and like, we're not going to tell you what it's going to do, but this is what it's a. You'll see. And then, mm -hmm. like, a few weeks later, we dropped the bomb. That's so fucked. Yeah. And then three days yeah. later, they drop another one. And then, other than another one, and then by that time, yeah, because the first one was to show that we had the ability to do it. Yeah. The second one was to show that we could do it again. Uh, and again and again and again. They had, they, again they had like they had like three or four or five more planned ones after the first two, and they were going to drop it every four or five days no until shit. until fucking Japan were to surrender. But they surrendered. But they didn't get that far. But they did get to number two, and this poor motherfucker saw that shit. He arrived in Nagasaki early in the morning off of that train, and limped to the hospital. 
the doctor who was there was a former school classmate of his and it tr he treated him but the burns were uh, were so severe he didn't recognize the dude at first and neither and neither hit it did his family who were there at the time despite being on the verge of collapse he dragged himself out of bed and to work at the Nagasaki Mitsubishi office. What a trooper. Because what he's tough. As, he's tough as a motherfucker, man. Can you imagine? No sick days there, man. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Sorry, around... boss. I got burned by a nuke. Uh, do you care if I skip today? No, what? you need to come in right now. Well, they on, expect on... you to get there. They don't care how you get home, though. Oh, man. On that, though, like at around 11 a.m., he found himself in a meeting with the company director who demanded a full report on Hiroshima. The engineer recounted the scattered events of August 6th, the blinding light, the deafening boom, but his superior accused him of being mad. Like, why didn't he believe him? Well, all communication was cut off when the first bomb went out, and they never knew what was going on. So they had no idea that this bomb had fucking dropped. And he was trying to explain himself when the landscape outside suddenly exploded in another huge flash. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped to the ground just seconds before a huge shockwave shattered the office windows and set broken glass and bullshit everywhere and then the mushroom cloud he saw through the fucking window and could you, uh, could you like imagine surviving one nuclear holocaust to go to the town thinking you're safe to get bombed by another nuclear holocaust and also on just the last day right well fucking no he continued to live man yeah no no no. on the last day of work sorry oh well no he went to this new fucking he was reporting oh, okay, he, he okay, was okay, going okay, to be he was going to be leaving anyways from hiroshima to come back to like i, I assume this was made have been like his, his home base or something like that his family was here yeah. and it just had just the bomb happened to fall on the last day in and so he was getting chewed out by his boss <laughs> and he was like no big fucking bomb and then he looks out the window and there's another one and uh like his, his fucking bandages were blown off he was hit by another huge surge of fucking shockwave the bomb that went off in nagasaki was even bigger than the hiroshima one so they dropped a smaller guy on on the first one but as he would later learn the city's landscape had a reinforced stairwell that had combined to muffle the blast inside his office his bandages were blown off and he was hit by another surge of cancer causing radiation but he was relatively unhurt i guess because of where he was in the building after leaving the skeleton of the mitsubishi building the second one uh yamaguchi rushed through a bomb ravaged Nagasaki to check on his wife and son. He feared the worst. When he saw a section of the house had been reduced to rubble, but he soon found out that both had sustained only superficial injuries. That's fucking crazy. God damn. Uh, so lucky. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if that's lucky or not. I, mean, I don't know if that's I mean, lucky, man. Because, I mean, lucky. because like Thomas said, you're getting blasted with with cancerous nuclear nuclear radiation and like a lot of the people that survived the bombs uh were left like if you were wearing a striped shirt the the nuclear blast was so bright that it burned those images imprints on your skin like if, if a bomb were to hit and i was outside right now i would have these cloud <laughs> marks oh yeah, yeah all over yeah. my body and yeah. they were they became pariahs like the people that that survived the bomb mm -hmm. the people of japan did wanted nothing to do with them because they were all convinced that the radiation was going to somehow affect their genetic code yeah no and shit. Cre create more irradiated people. So they they just basically kick them away. So I, like I feel fuck man, we were such monsters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Fucking oh. Jesus Christ. But uh unlike so many victims of radiation exposure, he slowly recovered and went on to live a relatively normal life. 
He served as a translator for the U.S. Armed Forces during the occupation of Japan. Uh, he later taught school before resuming his engineering career at Mitsubishi. He's dealt with, like, obviously, like, mental issues, like, horrific fucking memories and stuff. Like PTSD, um, basically. Oh, Trauma man, how would, you, how would you get over that? There's no way. <laughs> you wouldn't. Would you, you wouldn't. Would you guys continue on? Do you think you're strong enough to continue on? Because I'm not. Yeah. I, no, yeah, I, would, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It depends, man. Like, like he still has his family. They didn't, like, he just said that, like, I they didn't. that's fair. They, like he didn't, he didn't have his family, so he would have support network. He actually turned it around a little bit, and he like traveled to the states uh, in the decades that followed to speak about the nuclear disarmament before the United Nations. Like he sort of, you know, found the silver lining and rolled with that. That that's a bigger person than me, man. Like I would, yeah. I, I'd be at the bottom of a bottle every fucking day. <laughs> trying to sure. trying to erase sure. everything you saw. Oh yeah, I mean, Hiroshima I, uh, was fucking bad. Nagasaki just to follow after. Oh man, um, I just like, and it just goes on to show, uh, like the end of the segment is that like he wound up going and like turning it around by fucking you know educating people on the on the on the horrors of that and you know rebuilding his life too. I mean like. Jesus, if you can live through two fucking nuclear explosions and continue to live on, man, I bet you that'd be one strong motherfucker, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, heart, tenacity. That guy's got more balls than I could ever fathom. Yeah, he and his balls his, his balls stayed on him after those two fucking explosions. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <fucking laughs> mine would have flew off. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's one of the weirdest fucking things anyone could ever go through. Oh, and yeah, that, no, and that's, that's horrific, dude. That's so horrific. Good story, Thomas. Yeah, good crazy. Story. Good fucking story. So where did you find this? Is this something that you were just doing a dive on and you heard the topics and you were like, fuck it, let's just let's just find some shit? I, I kind of just, when after I got off the phone with you, I was on my phone punching in just the craziest things that happen to people, Google, and like not expecting to get anywhere. And it was like the third story that I read off of history.com. And um, and uh, on like page two of Google, and I read through, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is it, save." <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I really have any strange or bizarre personal stories, but I did find something that I thought would absolutely tickle your guys's fancy. And the story goes like this: Europe was no stranger to disease, war, famine, death, and its fair share of oddities that even to this day we still don't fully understand. Our story today takes place in 1518 in nowadays France in a city called Strasbourg. It started with a woman named Frau Trophia, and the oddities of this time were the dancing plagues that held up 400 people spontaneously dancing, even some into their early grave. When the plague found Frau as his first victim, it was a hot summer in July when it all of a sudden hit. She danced and danced to the music and murmurs of laughter from the confused citizens of Strasbourg. To much of her husband's dismay and embarrassment, she continued as if she was a puppet being controlled by a force she couldn't understand. After hours of dancing, feet bloodied, bruised, her urge to dance was finally from what she had thought was done. As she fought and fought to get a good night's sleep, she struggled as if something was telling her she was not done. As dawn broke, she went right back to it. 
no matter the condition of her mental health from the lack of sleep from the night before or from the pain from her sore, bleeding feet, she continued on. The crowd this time surrounded her and watched this poor woman just absolutely lose her mind as if it was some kind of street performance. Soon after starting, 30 more people joined in, creating what I can only imagine either being the first dance-off to ever take place or something as horrible as something you'd see at your cousin Greg's wedding halfway through the night and when the chance of the cha-cha slide comes on but everyone's too drunk to remember the moves. Yep. After 30 people jumped in, the local marching band joined in along with the rest of the town. Upwards up to 400 people began involuntarily dancing alongside Frau, which blossomed into a full-grown crisis which involved the members of Strasbourg Council to intervene. But how could they help? They could tell that their citizens were starting to feel pain and fear, but didn't have the first clue on how to stop it. The people dancing began to scream from the pain and confusion of their unstoppable ailment. Some even began to beg to the heavens to put an end to their unescapable suffering. As the summer continued on and the heat began to rise, as many as 15 people a day would drop dead from either the heat or the pure exhaustion. What the fuck is going on there? I don't, dude, I don't know, man. This story gets so fucking wild. It's it's nuts. It starts like, it's like, oh yeah, no, this is like a cool like rave. And we've got like, you know, bands playing and your neighbors are all jumping in and having a good ass fucking time. And then all of a sudden, like your neighbors start screaming because their toes are falling off from how bad they fucking hurt. Jesus. Once people started dropping dead, the city council turned to a higher authority. After ruling out demonic possession on a massive scale level or something to do with astrology, they agreed that the main problem, get this guys, hot blood. Hot blood was the problem. Hot blood. Hot blood. Your blood is just too damn hot. <laughs> What's hot blood? Well, this is the unbalance of the victim's humor. Different types of fluid in the body, aka blood, bile, and phlegm making doctors think that hot blood was the case in which would force the brain to overheat, causing madness to manifest. Now you're probably wondering what's the cure to get your blood to cool the fuck down. I was one of my thoughts, yeah. Well, in the most 1500s medical style, the cure was bloodletting. That fixed everything back in the day. Oh, yeah. No, dude, we just we just need to take some of your blood. <laughs> Out with uh, the shit. Your body makes new stuff, works every time. So bloodletting is basically like we're gonna we're gonna cut you open and let you bleed out. Try to get try to get all that blood out. The bad blood. Oh, yeah, that'll we fucking that, work. We need to get that bad blood out of you, bro. Your your blood's not sitting too That's good. Always works. Yeah, no, no. It, like this, you gotta remember, like fifteen hundreds. Like this is like you got ghosts in your blood. You better do some cocaine about it. Type of yeah. Type oh of thing yeah, yeah. You got yeah. You got headaches and fucking they drill holes in your brain to let the fucking demons out. Yeah. <laughs> He's not fucking wrong, though, dude. He's not fucking wrong. Goddamn. The idea was impossible to get any of the victims to sit still long enough to do the bloodletting. No shit. Yeah, I mean, you got fucking, you got Margaret down the road doing the fucking cha-cha slide. No shit she can't. Yeah, no shit she can't. They were just boogieing around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no no sitting the fuck down. Craziness. So, So the city council prescribed even more dancing. They hired more musicians in hope of burning out the people of Strasbourg in hopes that they would sit still long enough to perform the barbaric and unnecessary procedure to save these people. This ultimately was a failure. 
and only made the problem worse. As the dancers began to slow down from their exhaustion, the musicians sped up their playing, forcing the dancers to pick up their pace and eventually inciting passers-bys to join in what looked like a party. The city council was at a loss and soon began blaming higher powers from above for cursing their people for sins that they had yet to repent from. Soon, gambling houses, brothels, sex workers, music, and even dancing were immediately banned from the city in hopes that it would end their ever-growing problem. Sadly enough, if you were caught as so much as shaking a hip to a beat, you would be issued a 30 shillings fine, and eventually the city was out of ideas. So they did what any city trying to escape an epidemic would do. They pulled a Hail Mary by throwing shit to a wall and seeing if it would stick. Mm, and it did, dude. It did. Honestly, it did. This The way they cured this shit blew my mind. They threw all the afflicted people with the plague into a cart, hauled them up a mountain to a shrine of St. Vitus, and this... It, that that St. Vitus is the say I'm probably saying that wrong. It's V-I-T-U-S, Vitus. I'm, I think right? that's what it is. There's a, there's a famous bar in the States that's named that, isn't there? Yeah, I fuck. I don't know, I man. No it's, it's, the, the Catholics and their fucking saints. All, I just, all I'm picturing is Monty Python. Bring out your dead. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, they just threw <laughs> yeah. all those guys, and they were just like, you know, doing doing the Macarena, and they're like, all right, get your fucking ass into the cart. <laughs> so St. Vitus is the saint of aid in times of trouble. Okay. The church gave them red shoes, anointed them in holy water and rosaries, and performed a mass mass. A massive mass? A, mass, a massive mass? mass. A mass mass. I'm here for it. The <laughs> shoes were the cure. Slowly but surely, the dancing came to an end. So what was the cause of the outbreak? I'm just curious to fucking, like, what would cause, like, it sounds like hysteria. Like, I'm like, going to get into that, man. You are. I do see that word in the upcoming sentences. Yeah, dude. You are so fucking on it right now, man. <laughs> yeah. I, like, you, brought it, you brought World War II. I'm like, dude, I fucking love World War II. <laughs> and then you're on it with this shit, dude. I'm fucking here for it. Oh, yeah. Cause of this outbreak. Grain poisoning was the same thing that they blamed on when it came to the Salem witch trials with all the mass burnings that they did to try to get rid of witches. You know, if you weigh the same amount as a swan or a goose, then you must be a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb fucking thing to do. <laughs> and, it, you know, a lot of the time they would take like witches and they would like chain them to like rocks, like really big rocks. And then they would throw the rock in the water. And if she drowned, she wasn't a witch. But if she came back, she was a witch. Yeah, really yeah. flawed system Everyone there, man. Everyone fucking drowned. Dude, I yeah. think about like living back then, and I, I almost want to say I might have been the smart. I, I could have been the smartest person in there. I'd be like, why, why are we doing this? Why? I don't know. No, they would have, they would have no. burned you for sure. Oh, oh they'd be like, sure. this motherfucker knows something we don't. What's up? Fucking, uh, he, he's been speaking to Satan. Speaking to Satan, man. Others blamed mass epilepsy, or my favorite, some even blamed an underground cult. In my eyes, I see this as mass hysteria. I think it's hysteria. Yeah, I think it's 100% hysteria. Outbreaks of plagues, smallpox were on the rise. The price of food at the time was at an all-time high, and the due back-to-back famines, orphanages being at their max capacity due to all the death that was going on, it almost checks all the boxes. That's just like such high-stress environment. Like it, it, You're just co- constantly around death. But I mean, also in the same, you know what? It it it, it, it smacks a, of a little bit of like that event, like evangelism, where like they're not fucking taken by the devil. They're seeing people fucking doing the hokey pokey down the road, and they're just obviously all tense and fucked up. And then they just start doing it too, whether and knowing that they don't. You know what I mean? Like I just don't know how you can fake that. I don't like. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of oh, a yeah. monkey, monkey see, monkey do sort of situation. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree because, like, whenever you think about it, like, when they were doing the, the Salem witch trials, like, they were basing most of their opinions off of, like, 12-year-old girls. Yeah. 
So like a, a like three 12 year old girls would walk in and be like, oh, we saw this person, Mother Abigail, like Mother on her knees Abigail. out in the woods dancing by a fire or some shit. And like, yeah. oh, that's enough for us. Let's burn this bitch. Yeah. And then, like, it, it's nuts. I, I I don't know if it would be an ev- evangelism. Like if it's if this is more of like boredom. Well, I'm sorry. I, I I meant evangelism more in the sense that like, you know, fucking they're just they're just jumping around playing the fucking role. You know what I mean? That's what I meant by that. I get that. Yeah. Like after the first person, after Frau like started doing it and they start jumping in and then it's like, oh, we can't stop. Ha, ha, yeah, ha. yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I'm then, like. From. Once, you know, Frau starts complaining about not being able to stop. Now no one can stop. Everybody's dealing with this ailment. It's it's you're getting this kind of I want to say like attention. Yep. That you're not getting on an everyday basis because it's the 15 fucking hundreds. And like, if you're a woman, you, you know, the most you see is like the kitchen. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Yeah. It's kitchen and church. And then you're, you know, you're just the background character to your husband's show. Fucking I'm not. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's still a fucking thing that goes on today. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, with all the stress, that's why that's why I 100% believe that this was just hysteria on a mass level. And, yeah, you you get a you get a shitload of people that are bored out of their fucking minds that have little to no real form of activity other than, you know, chores around the house, going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays or every day or whatever the fuck was going on. Oh, then and, and on top of that, like like you said earlier, all the plight and famine and disease oh, death, and shit that's food. going around. Yeah, like every, oh, everything's yeah. going on. Like we probably just got through the Black Plague or yeah, the Black Plague was probably just already ran through here. Yeah. I mean, Europe, Europe got Europe got fucking hit with an ugly stick pretty hard during these times. Yeah. Usually when shit goes down on this planet, Europe is the place that Europe is like, that's where it fucking goes down. Where it all starts. Yep. Yeah. So we start to like when we look at the story, obviously, we're already starting to question. So was it mass hysteria, which we think was it divine intervention or was it how 1526 Renaissance physician Parcelis puts it? It's all the goddamn women's fault for being straight up Renaissance thoughts. You decide. You guys tell us. You guys email us and tell us what it is. I think it's probably the thoughts. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> Parcelist being like, these goddamn women are shaking their asses and they need to go to hell for it. I agree I'll with that 100%. Fucking... Oh, fuck yeah, man. Oh, fuck yeah. Crazy, man. I just, I couldn't imagine being, I just couldn't imagine being back in those days. That was <gasps> so fucked up back then like again so the, the, the plagues the fucking like like you know you just you wondering if you're gonna fucking live the next day starvation like their their seasons were probably super screwed up too depending on where you were like crazy hot super fucking cold yeah you're just you're just going through it i mean there's you're just going through it you're spending all year preparing for winter because you know it's gonna at least take out half your population yeah i said that weird population population Pop- Population, 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 population mountains. Yeah, I was just gonna Joshua, fucking say that. Population mountains. Carissa and I got really stoned one night, and we heard someone say Joshua on TV. Josh, I, Joshua. Is it Josh Ua or Josh Ua? Joshua. Joshua. Josh Joshua. Joshua. Canadian says it. Yeah. Joshua. He, yeah. He declares how all English. Joshua. Is bad, Josh Ua or Joshua. Say Joshua. say it normally. Just say jo- it. Joshua. Joshua. Just, yeah, yeah. Thomas and I are saying correctly. Anybody who says it differently is wrong. All right, yeah. get really stoned and then talk to me about oh, that. Oh, Jesus. Christ. All right, what's your fucking story? All right, so fuck saving mine for a different fucking episode. I'm doing it. Mm. Okay, so. You got a rebel on our fucking hands, Thomas. Yeah, fuck it. Okay, so it's about Ramry Island. It's a massacre on Ramry Island. 
So in January 26, 1945, also in World War II, the British troops made their way to Ramsey Island so they can establish a new airbase. However, first they had to drive off the Japanese invasion force, which already had claimed the island. After a bloody but successful campaign against the Japanese, the British soldiers managed to drive nearly 1,000 enemy soldiers into a dense swamp. I love this story. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> While it seemed that the Japanese soldiers were fine, and the opportunity to slip into the forest and wilderness to get away from the uh, British, most of the Japanese soldiers would never be heard from again. Unfortunately for the fleeing men in the mangrove jungle on Ramley Island, it's home to the, an unknown number of the largest reptilian predator in the world, the saltwater crocodile. These fuckers have such Brutal. a crazy bite. They're like, uh, I think I think saltwater crocodiles are at least on the top five with the most PSIs per bite. Yeah, yeah that uh, sounds right. What's number one, do you know? It's not hippos. It's not? It's not. What is number one? Hippos are just really aggressive. It's a crocodile. It's an alligator. It's like a caiman. They're like the no, top. Like, yeah. No, no. Cuban. It's like a Cuban crocodile has a crazy strong bite. The saltwater crocodile, the... Uh, some type of alligator, denial, denial alligator, Nile croc. I don't know, something like that. And they, they, it's mostly alligators, though. Hippo, I think, made top five, but it was mostly alligators, dude. I looked that shit up. I don't believe Promise. you. I don't believe you. But these prehistoric dinosaurs can grow over twenty foot long and length over a thousand pounds in some cases. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited. I love the story so fucking much. So in addition to saltwater crocodiles, are far from the misunderstood monsters. These crocodiles are a long history of attacking humans who wander into their habitats. So nearly 1,000 panicked soldiers came dripping blood and sweat into the cramped confines of the Ram Ramry Mangrove Swamp. And the giant lizards were likely to have a feast. Around 500 Japanese soldiers are thought to escape the British, but uh, 500 more escaping who had never left the swamp. The survivors were reported to have told horrific tales of dozens of crocodiles attacking soldiers in masses and appearing seemingly nowhere to drag off some poor soul. The nights were said to have killed with dire screams, gunfire, and the sound of animal attacks. It reminds me of like when the USS Indianapolis sank and it was all the sharks. You know, sharks got a doe's eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like was it 1,200? 1,200 people died? I, I think it's like 1,200 went in the water. Only like 300 got out. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. But I, I do I do have an answer for your strongest top bite force. We have an orca. A saltwater crocodile is number two. I don't know how orca is up there, but I uh, fucked it. Great white shark, alligator is number four, and hippopotamus is five. That's bullshit. Well, you know, I get, don't believe it. get fucking used to it. Uh, but anyways, out of the thousand allegedly soldiers that fled the British, only 500 were alive because the other 500 got eaten by a bunch of alligators. I just fucking love this story because I like, can imagine in a fucking warfare, you're running from the enemy just to run into another enemy, but you don't fucking see him. Just a bunch of crocodiles. Oh, my God. It was a fucking terrifying enemy. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I I see videos on like Facebook. Probably I, I don't know if it's like a feeding pen or if it's a zoo or like what the fuck it is. But the, they'll always have some jackass like trying to feed him, and then he falls in, and then you just see a swarm of crocodiles coming at That's him. Oh Florida. my god! Oh my god! They fucking give me such Jesus. Yeah, Steph went for though. That's crazy. They're going jackass where they walk across the tightrope across the uh, crocodiles. You see that one? Fuck that shit. That's no, just I haven't not. I haven't seen that. No. No. Worth your watch. Fucking nightmare fuel. No, hundred percent is, hundred percent is. There's no way in fuck you could ever get me to even like get near one of those fuckers. No, I saw one guy who was sitting on top of it, 
uh, sitting on top of an alligator and he was like doing the whole I can stick my hand in, in an alligator's mouth. You know right? why he does that? Because they can't see right in front of them. Yeah, it, it's 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 about their tongue. It's like if you touch yeah, they, anything they like the that. Side, but once you touch their tongue, it just sends a feel. Yeah, that's it. So this guy that I was watching, he was he was fucking with an alligator like that. And the, and the alligator clamped down on his entire fucking hand. Any kind of like if an alligator bit your arm off, Thomas, or bit your arm, like how are you reacting? Because this dude like acted like it was not a big deal. He's like, all right, so like this hurts. Uh, can we get some, somebody in here? I wouldn't have to worry about that because I would not be going anywhere near anywhere where an alligator is. <laughs> no fucking way. Not me. There's a million dollars inside of a crocodile cage. Are you getting it? Fuck no. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's That shit's up there with like all with most animals, like fucking snakes and tarantulas and shit like that. I'm fuck all fuck that. Man. You're just asking for it at that point. Like they're cool to have. It's cool to like, if you're, you know, that's what you want to do with your life. That's cool. But no, no, no you're just asking for it at that point in time. One of my favorite uh, venomous snake collectors, he's been doing it for years, just got his fucking finger bit off by a goddamn King Cobra from India. He was in India and he was fucking with a King Cobra. I feel like it's own fault. Have you well, guys you ever know? been have you guys ever been around dangerous animals before? Like have you ever been in proximity to one? Like not behind not at a zoo or nothing, but like fucking ever ever been fucking near that shit. So I had a buddy back home who had um he had a tiger, a couple bobcats, a lion, a bear, and uh, some wolves. He had he had like wolves that roamed the property. They oh, were fuck. like, yeah, but they were like they were domesticated as as like as domesticated as you can get a wolf. Okay, fair. Yeah, and like the dogs or the wolves would play with the huskies, and they would always like they were like dogs. It, it, yeah, you yeah. know the, these things just had sharper teeth. But yeah, he would let us feed the the animals as long as his parents were out. So I, I've I've fed a bear and tiger, and I've been inside of a cage with these things. I haven't gotten close to it. It's not Nuts. like I'm like running up and like <laughs> giving the goddamn black bear a hug or You're doing the Alex terrible and wrestling him. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm good about that. Yeah. Seeing him wrestle that fucking bear blows my mind. Yeah. A different different breed out there. Yeah, dude. And it's like, I, I sit there and I see the bear's claws. I'm like, doesn't that hurt? Aren't you like, he, most of the time he wrestles the thing without a shirt on. And it's, I mean, every time Rocky like puts his paw on my leg or my feet or whatever, it fucking hurts. I couldn't imagine three times the size of a claw. No way. I can't, I can't almost hardly handle getting tattooed. I know that's like a really big bitch statement. You're covered in tattoos. I'm covered in tattoos. <laughs> I can almost not take it. <laughs> I got my Achilles uh, heel tattooed yesterday. Yeah, did you ever? And uh, that sucks down there, doesn't it? Oh, dude, it feels like a cheese grater almost. Like yeah. the outline wasn't too bad until he got like on the side of my tendon, and yeah. like you know, like he's got the, the the back pockets right there. Yeah, it hurt so bad. I'm just really glad that a lot of it wasn't colorful. Like I'm not doing like a whole like. Mandela, not a Mandela. What the hell is that called? Uh, like a like a tree of life or something. Something that's like very like uh, you know pointillism. You're gonna be there all day doing a bunch of detail and stuff. Fuck, mm -hmm. fuck, yep, no, nope. fuck that. Pass. Yeah, pass on all that. I don't know if you guys have any other stories, but I do have one other story. So we've tackled the strange uh, with the dancing plague of 1518. Now let's dive into the bizarre world of the Codex Gigas. Do you guys know what this is? Uh, I do not, other than what you briefly told me earlier. The Codex Gigas is known as the Devil's Bible. The book is cool. shrouded in... Yeah, dude. Yeah, when I uh, I was a little kid when I found out about the, the Codex Gigas. I was... Uh, 
as we've joked on mom before, I'm a big history buff nerd. I love, you know, sitting down in front of the history channel and just watching just mindless hours and yeah. just dumb stuff. I mean, even in, even when like ancient aliens comes on and we got spiky hair, dude, I'll, I'll take everything <laughs> dude, he says. Fucking fucking, that yeah, yeah, dude, it looks like he gets his balls shocked by like a, like a, like a, by a fucking taser in the morning. And I, I, anything he says, I, I'm just like, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> This book is shrouded in dark history that uh, could compete with the Necronomicon itself. The Codex Gigas, which translates to giant book, it's 165 pounds with 620 pages, although 10 are missing. It stands 36 inches tall, 20 inches wide, 9 inches thick, and takes up to two people just to move. Jesus. Its bindings are made from wooden planks bound in leather that faces the cover of ornamental metal. Oh, the pages metal are crafted from the skin of 160 donkeys. Uh, yeah. like ah, Nathan from Metalocalypse. Oh, dude. That's so brutal. The, so the, <laughs> the, brutal. the face of the book is is it's adorned with these like place like pieces of steel that you would see on like knight's armor or shields. Okay. So it's just it's literally just unnecessary fucking weight, dude. This thing is, I mean, it's beautiful looking. So what's unique about this book? It's not just its size, but the story behind it. As the legend goes, in the 13th century Bohemia, now in the Czech Republic, a monk by the name of Herman the Recluse committed a heinous atrocity that not only broke his vows as a monk, but also put him in a life and death situation. Unfortunately, we don't know what the heinous act he did. I don't know. It could have been as much as saying God in public. I, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he and the church had a had a little issue. The church and his fellow clergy took it upon themselves to brick him behind a wall in an isolated room, never to see the light of day again. But right before the last brick... So that's fucked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fucking absolutely. Uh, I couldn't imagine I, uh, a worse death to be like brick behind a wall you're just going to be in there just absolutely so well it's going to take like what seven days you need at least seven days before you need water those three it depends on the person like i've heard stories of like weeks and shit like that without food and water it's insane yeah fucking insane right before the last brick was placed herman cried out for redemption he struck a deal with the other monks that he would write all of the world's knowledge all of it all of it, everything they knew at that point in time, and place it into one book in just one single night. Now, the monks understandably knew that this was an impossible feat, so they agreed. They fed the materials to Herman through the last remaining hole in the wall and left him to his work. Further into the night, reality began to set in. This job was impossible for one man to complete. Herman did what every blues player near a crossroad does. He made a deal with the devil and offered up his immortal soul. Yes. Metal. <laughs> dude this this story is so fucking metal man just the entire time the devil took herman's offering and just like that he had a completed book to hand in to the other monk the codex was filled with some of the greatest works known to mankind and imagery to follow depending on who you see as the author of this book the devil himself or herman they he slash left in a homage to i said that right wrong homage yeah i said homage i knew i was gonna fucking do it not a piece of cheese, man. <laughs> <laughs> they hand you a book, you hand back cheese. I fucking <laughs> fuck you guys. Some homage <laughs> on a cracker. <laughs> they slash he left in homage in the book dedicated to the devil for helping him save Herman's mortal soul. Hauntingly, this image was of the devil himself, which takes up an entire page. He's shown having curved red horns, a forked tongue, 
green reptilian-like face and razor-sharp claws. Interestingly enough, that's not the only image on the side of the book. On the left page, across from the devil himself, lies an image of heaven. Beautiful white buildings with levels almost like the Divine Comedy's depiction of hell. Do you know what the Divine Comedy is? I do not. It's a book. What about you, Thomas? Do you know what the Divine Comedy is? I, I've heard of it, but I don't know exactly what it's about. You know Dante's Inferno? Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's the Divine Comedy. Okay. So basically, it's just there's nine levels of hell. And okay, okay. Yeah, it's just the word, the farther you go down, the more fucked up it is. Gotcha. And that's kind of like how this heaven is. There's two giant pillars on both pages of <laughs> heaven and of the devil. Uh, on the left side with heaven, it's the top of the pillars, and it's just this beautiful white city. There's vines across it. The whole book itself is gorgeous, and whenever you hear the story of Herman like taking one single night to make this book, there's no fucking way just by looking at some of the hand-detailed drawings and paintings he does on just simple letters like L and E and O. Oh, I bet. The picture of heaven, it leaves you feeling at peace until you notice what's Within the white walls, there's nothing. Emptiness. Not a single person can be found in the kingdom of heaven. The bazaar doesn't end right there. The detail in the work on every single page within every single letter was something only a master could achieve through a lifetime of dedication and drive of perfection. That's only if you worked every single day for 20 years straight. Jesus. Yeah, in Sweden, they've, 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 they've broken it down just by how much artwork was just on the pages and there's no fucking way. And it doesn't stop there. And the 20 years straight, and that's just on the lettering itself, not on the countless lines of finite detail, imagery of countless devils, characters, heaven, and all of the artwork that can be found on almost every single page of this book. Historians that have had the chance to look over the Codex Gigas have said it was done by one person and is shown to never quake or tire during the writing process, which means this entire book is written perfectly. There's not a line out of place. Everything looks like it was made out of fucking printing press, dude. Wild. But with every great spooky mysterious item in the world, there always seems to be a curse, and the Codex is no stranger to the realm of curses. It all starts in the year 1477, 200 years after its creation. Hard times fell on the monastery. They needed money to pay the bills, so they started selling most of their prized possessions. The Codex Gigas was in the pile of things that needed to go so they could stay. <laughs> kind of like, uh, I'm sure we've all been there. You just start looking around your house. You're like, fuck, I got a power bill. It's coming out. If I don't pay this like today, I'm so fucked. Yep. I have definitely been there, and I've definitely sold a lot of stupid shit. Yep. Yeah, I've I've been through those I've been through those moments in my life too. We gotta fucking hawk something super quick. To make oh sure yeah, absolutely. Fucking, to make sure the fucking lights stay on or the fucking the pink slip at the end of your apartment door doesn't show up. I sold guitars. What's the worst guitars? Oh no yeah, shit. Man. Yeah, lots of guitars. At one point, well, I wouldn't say it. It wasn't because of Dire Straits, but I did have to sell some things to make and to make ends meet, like in my twenties for sure. Yeah. 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 It's not like now, but like, you know, before you learn how to, you know, actually adult. Yeah. Fuck. I wasn't my, yeah, that... my, my, my early mid twenties. I was not adulting, man. I don't know how I made it through that stuff. I had the worst fucking jobs. <laughs> I was making the dumbest fucking decisions. Uh, and I was doing, like, doing the best drugs and you're just constantly fucking broke. Oh yeah. I was just <laughs> so high all the fucking time. No, I was just wondering, like, why me? How come I'm fucking can't get ahead? Well, you what? know, it's, it's all my own doing, right? Like, 
<laughs> I don't have to get it, dude. I'd be like, I, I would hawking stuff and be like, all right, I need to buy weed. And then I'd buy weed and I was like, fuck, I have, I have weed now. I was supposed to pay this off. What the, why did I do this? Yep. <laughs> fucking stupid. Yep. Uh, the Codex Gigas was in the pile of things that needed to go so they could stay. Shortly after the Codex was sold, the original monastery that held the book burned to the ground. So anything that could have told us of the history of the book was ultimately destroyed. The new owners held on to the book until 1593, where it was given to the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II, who found himself quickly obsessed with the book and its drawings and ties to the occult. As time went on, Rudolf began to lose his mind. He became paranoid and erratic, and his family eventually noticed and kicked him out of his position and took over. Shortly after being dethroned, Rudolf passed away, and the book remained within his private library. Fast forward six years later, and we hit the Thirty-Year War, which eventually ended in Swedish armies taking over the Roman army, where the Codex would meet its last tragedy. After taking the Codex out of Rudolf's personal library to Sweden, his library was met with a fire that damn near ended the Codex. It was tossed out a window and landed on an innocent bystander. <laughs> yeah, 165 <laughs> fucking pound book just falls out of a window and lands on some guy. Fucking like the devil day, book, like, too, man. on top of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, what, what would be even more fucked up if it, the, the book landed on it and it just happened to land on the page of the devil in heaven and it's like, oh, fuck <laughs> this. It probably did. So... <laughs> in the chaos, 10 of the pages were removed and never seen again. They don't know what is on it. They think that uh, it had prayers to the devil. It had um, scriptures of how the world was going to end. There's a bunch of theories on on this book, but they literally have no context to insert what they what they thought that those pages actually really were. Even after being moved from hand to hand, surviving a fire, surviving a 30-year war, surviving being thrown out of a window, and even finding a way to get past the Roman Catholic Church's vicious hold they had on Europe, that would surely burn the Codex for just the imagery of the devil alone. Yet somehow, it's our most preserved book from the medieval times to the date of this recording. As of today, the book remains in Sweden's National Library in Stockholm, where the pages that hold the image of the devil and heaven are open for all to see and have actually yellowed due to sun exposure from the years it has been obsessed over. Even though the book has been analyzed time and time again, all we are left with is more questions, questions that'll never be answered. That's a crazy ass story. I know, man, dude. So I heard, I heard about this book. I saw this book and I like, I didn't like really take into the effect of it. And I'm going to, I'm about to show Jake right now, the kind of detailing that I, that I'm talking about with this. It's, <laughs> It's fucking oh. insane. Jesus Christ, Jesus dude, I haven't hold that bourbon for a while. I I know the the one I was fighting for a while, like I like it was it was coming up for a minute. I'm oh, only yeah. like six beer right now. You guys are just fucking percolating away over there. <laughs> yeah, jealous. Wait, what is that? That's a P, bro. Well, obviously, it's a fucking P. That's just a P. Tell the describe what you're looking at for Thomas. That's a page in the book. It's a bunch of swirls inside the. Okay, so you draw their P, right? Yep. And inside the fucking the circle of the P, yep. the big ass swoop of like, I, this is hilarious like fucking, listening to you fucking fuck off. describe it's this. A bunch of swirls, man, and like, so it's like really, fucking, it, it's really dope swirls. calligraphy, is it? Yeah, it's hundred percent dope calligraphy. So, and then this is heaven. This is the page of heaven. It looks like a a mind shaft in Minecraft. That's the devil. Awesome. Is there writing on the back of that though? Yeah. Oh, there is? Yeah. 100%. Can you even read that? Uh, no. It, which one has it? 
I thought but behind the devil. Oh, that's that's that. that's a famous picture of the devil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it comes from this book. All right, there's some more swirls and whatnot. There's more swirls. Yeah, that's an E. That's just a single E. Oh, it's an E with a shitload of swirls. All right. <laughs> love swirls. That man. is one cool-ass L, man. <laughs> there's another P with more swirls. That's a circle. That's a fucking... That's a single circle, bro. A French horn. That's what it is. So some I'm... guy who was locked up in a tower behind bricks and shit that's came up with that. That's how big it was. Jesus Christ. You're about dude. to get the size of the actual book itself. Like a good comparison. That thing is fucking huge. All right. What in the fuck is that? Yeah, you saw the size of it, dude. <laughs> Look at the size of that. That fell out of a window. That fell out of a window and on a guy. And it's supposedly, like I said, man, this book was written in one single fucking night. Talk can't to... even do one page in one night. Yeah. Like, no. That many swirls, dude? No, no fucking way. No, dude, most most artists today couldn't do like an entire page like that. No. And have no. it have those lines as perfect as they they fucking were. Like people look at this book and they 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 wonder how somebody could do it this precise. It's not possible. Well, apparently it is. Yeah, apparently. I'm not sure on how the fuck <laughs> it happened. But those are some really good fucking stories of the strange and bizarre guys. So I, that falling out of the window, though, is like the modern day piano falling out of the the balcony or whatever and landing on the concrete. I feel How like did, a piano's got to like weigh a lot more. Well, obviously, but it's a modern day. That's what is what it is. Yeah, fair enough. How the fuck Every did that movie, fall out like, of the window again? They were the building. The library caught on fire. So they just threw it. Yes. No one's throwing they, that yeah, fucking, fucking book out the window. They threw it to try to save to save as much as they could, and that just happened to be a part of the books that they felt, you know, obligated to throw. Okay, so for our listeners, if you hold your arm out straight out, that's not even close to being how fucking tall this book is. Like, yeah, I know. To your your fucking point of your finger, it's not even close to being how tall it is. No, it's, it's fucking, almost like another foot and a half on top of that. It's the you biggest almost, book I've ever seen. Yeah, and I've and, seen and like it, four books, and it's pretty fucking big. Fuck and yeah, and man. Mr. Mr. Recluse, like I said, was is you know he's he's said to have done this in a single night. There's no way he couldn't have done this with something that. Nope, not possible. No, not possible. Unless the devil was involved, dude. And I fucking hope he was because he's my homie for just being a, <laughs> being a thing. I fucking love that guy. Yep. Respect. Respect. Thanks for the great music. <laughs> I just want to thank everybody again for checking out the show. Uh, this is our third episode, Strange and Bizarre, fucking in the bucket. Uh, I am your, I almost said, I'm your fearless You almost leader. did it. I almost fucking did it. It's the third fucking time it's almost happened. Every episode. I am Tyler Campbell. You can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at a call to madness. We also have a Gmail open. If you guys want to send us any kind of stories that you want us to cover, talk about, research, uh, you know, poke fun at and laugh or if you have your own personal stories you can send those to a call to madness at gmail.com thomas i believe you got some plugs you want to throw in there for your show i definitely do have some plugs going on over here my name is thomas brooks i am host and owner to a fun little radio show slash youtube interview channel called evisa radio if you like your metal heavy as fuck and too dangerous to listen to i host a two-hour platform every sunday from 1 p.m to 3 p.m eastern standard time and on YouTube, I interview the bands that I play on the show. And uh, yeah, that's Avisa Radio. Yeah, and I can't thank Thomas enough for joining our team, man. I know you guys missed him on the first two episodes, but he's finally here. And we're going to start doing content with him yeah, every other wait. week. Every other week, we're going to be posting on Saturdays. I'm going to shoot for probably like 9 o'clock. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. I might I might just fuck around with the timing schedule. I don't know. I was busy this Saturday. Sometimes Saturday. 
Sometime Saturday. We'll be Sometimes there in the morning. On Saturday. I don't it could be Saturday. It could be Sunday. I don't know. We're still working on that shit. Jake, what about you? you got any plugs? Uh I'm your rain and dipshit, Jake. Uh I just want you guys to, you know, interact with us. Email us what you want us to do, what you want to talk about. And if you have any comments or questions you want to talk about, just email us. I also want to do a special shout out to all of our fans and friends on our Instagram that gave us a roaring, you know, applause on coming back. It felt really good to be able to post a new episode. It's going to be even better whenever I start slaving away on this promotional stuff and start doing some cool stuff. Thomas and I have a lot of stuff coming down at you guys. Uh, I want to say probably sometime in March, we'll probably have a video for YouTube and everything and get all that going. Uh, Thomas is is going to fucking show me the way on how to (laughs) show me the way. He's gonna. He's our video guy, man, and he's a beast. He's he's he does all of his own stuff. And if you like, it's like you said, if you want to check out some new metal from across the world, Eviscerado is your fucking show. Fuck yeah, goddamn right it is. Remember, guys, you called, but you, but only, you only found, found madness. madness.